According to a 2022 report, in the US, women hold 35% of senior leadership positions, though they make up over 58% of the workforce. Reports have also revealed that women leaders show up more effectively than their male counterparts across every management level and age level. A 2023 UN report revealed that only 22.8% of cabinet members heading ministries and governments are women. Also, that the five most commonly held portfolios by women cabinet ministers are women and gender equality, family and children affairs, social inclusion and development, social protection and social security, indigenous and minority affairs. The soft stuff. Hello, my name is Sihle Polani and welcome to the Workplace Revolution. Today I'm joined by Nomonde White Ndlovu, who is a seasoned technology executive, currently the Chief Information Officer at Bidvest Bank. In her previous role, she was part of APSA Group's technology executive team, and in her last role at APSA, she ended up governance, risk and compliance for APSA Group's Information Technology Office. She has also been the Joint Chief Information Officer for the organization's Infrastructure Services and Head of Technology for APSA Regional Operations. She began her career in technology at UCS Solutions and later moved on to other multinational organizations such as British American, American Tobacco. She currently holds the position of chairperson of the Wired for Women, which is a technology industry advisory board focused on the development of women in technology. In this role, Nomonde is able to advocate for the upliftment and recognition of women at an industry level. In addition to this, she is able to actively pursue gender parity and equality in the workplace. Namonde has been nominated and inducted as the University of Witwatersrand Golden Key Honorary Member for the year 2022. Golden Key is an international non-profit organization which recognizes excellence exemplified in academic achievements, leadership skills and community involvement. And I'm also an honorary member of Golden Key. Hey. <laughs> the Golden Key International Honor Society is the world's largest academic honor society. And alongside the invited students, honorary membership is also extended to a few individuals that epitomize Golden Key's values of integrity, collaboration, innovation, respect, diversity, engagement, and overall excellence in their chosen field. Nomade is passionate and committed to the development of young people, and she has been a proud One Young World Ambassador since 2015. With an MBA from the Gordon Institute of Business Science, where I also teach, <laughs> um, a BA law degree, and expedient courses from institutions such as MIT, Harvard, the London School of Economics, and the Kellogg Institute of Management as a foundation, Namonde is continuously growing her skill in the technology industry with a strong focus on business strategy, leadership, organizational design, and efficiencies. I mean, if that isn't a mouthful... <laughs> you know, your voice is so soothing. <laughs> you know, interestingly... Um, Last week, I was adjudicating a pitching competition at, at, yeah. at Gibbs. Um, and during our lunch break, some of the uh, 
participants are just like, we just want to listen to you. Yeah, like, man, and all these guys are so like, comfortable. So I'm like, I can fall asleep <laughs> just listening to you talk. My goodness. I mean, your your daughter must have loved story time. Like, in the evenings, <laughs> my goodness. <laughs> well, Ramonde, thank you so much for joining me today. I've been so excited for this conversation. Um, I know we had had an offline conversation yeah. where I shared with you that earlier this year, I had reached out to my community online and said, who would you like me to have as a guest on the podcast? this year and there were so many people who said no more on white and lobo so and i was surprised. like okay i have to make it happen i'm so surprised and isn't that the interesting thing though about how we get on with the business of doing what we yeah. need to get done and we're not actually aware of the lives that we're impacting along yeah. the way uh, you're you're right i was actually surprised when you <laughs> said that because i like we were like joking about it now i'm really bad like on social media and i know i need to do better like um so i really to your audience i really appreciate the invitation as well as to you for extending it and i'm so excited about this conversation awesome stuff so where did it all begin for you sure through failure guys mm -hmm. like <laughs> you know i think my journey in tech literally began I, I studied law as you've mentioned and um i failed the subject <laughs> like one sub criminal law i'll never forget mm -hmm. um and then i worked part-time to actually supplement my fees because i needed mm -hmm. to go back and study full-time um, and that failure really has led to my journey in technology. So no regrets because sometimes the detours in life will actually lead you to amazing opportunities. So yeah. that's how it's life. Absolutely. And I love that because one of the things that I have learned <laughs> through experience and through picking myself up a million times over is that so often we, you know, you go through life and you're guided and you're led in this way and you're influenced by community and by family and by society and you kind of are told this is what you're supposed to do and where you're supposed to be, but you actually need to fail at those things to get to where you actually are supposed to be because you never really, no one knows their purpose and no it's one me. can dictate it for you. And it is about following the leading, <laughs> right? Absolutely. Now, you are in a tech space and not many women are in the tech space, particularly black women, and particularly within the corporate environment. Sure, we're seeing more black women coming up in startup environments. Uh, we're seeing a lot of hurdles as far as funding is concerned for black women in the tech space. But you have been able to carve out a successful career within tech, within corporate in South Africa as a black woman. <laughs> what has that journey been like for you? First, it's by Gracie. Like, mm -hmm. I, I, I am Christian. Um, and I literally always, in the first thing in my in the morning, I ask for is for my, my steps to be ordered. Um, so, yes, it's, it's been an interesting journey. It's been tumultuous for the most part. It is not um, an easy environment necessarily, but I love it. Mm -hmm. And I actually wouldn't change it for anything. It's one of the most exciting sectors. And I found that when you're really passionate about making a difference, and technology makes a difference, mm -hmm in the lives of many people, um, the, the work is just, it just becomes exciting, frustrating, meaningful, because no one day is necessarily the same. But what it's taken to stay here is to actually try and show up as my whole self every day, mm -hmm. to not try and change who I am, to not try and change my value sets, to make sure that um, my voice matters when I'm at a table. Mm. Now, you know, I recently heard a concept of amplification. I guess mm. I, you know, you do it and you don't know what it is. Mm. And you teach it, so I guess you know this, right? So, you know, when uh, when women speak in rooms, we're not heard. Um, and when a man says something, they are heard. So the whole concept is around 
if Sita speaks in a room to amplify her voice, if I get an opportunity to speak, it's to add on to what Sita was saying. Sita, that point you made mm. about how having women lead organizations will make you a very profitable organization <laughs> right. because we know that the most successful businesses in the world are led by women. It's mm. such an important point. Mm. What I'd like to add on to that mm. is we should be fighting for parity to get to 50-50. And that whole cycle of amplification I have been a product of that, where mm. I have um, worked for phenomenal women or women who've spoken my name in rooms where I wasn't, mm. you know, to say there's something about her, man. I really mm. think you should give an opportunity. And I'll forever be grateful for that and I'll forever lead with that. Mm. Um, so actually, my journey has been amplified by when I was at UCS. <laughs> the call center moved to a service delivery role, a lady by the name of Jane Canny, who was a woman. And it's women of all races also. Mm. I think it's important to put that out there because this fight for parity in workspaces and in um, industries where we, you know, we're not represented well is a fight that regardless of what your racial demographic might be, all of us need to be fighting it because there aren't enough of us with a seat at the table where you can actually pick and choose with regards to mm. how you fight your fight. Mm. And over the years, you know, it's been women like Asanda Kakana, Amanda Dambuza, mm. now Hannah Sadiki, who's my mm. boss, um, the CEO of Bivis Group as well. Like, I'm literally surrounded by woman and I'm a woman who loves women mm. and it's women who push you for excellence it's not just yeah you can just show up and just be random yeah if you're going to show up show up well mm. because others who follow you need to know that they can also show up with excellence and be respected when they actually enter those spaces so honestly it's, it's been a combination of grace it's been a combination of other women lifting me up men mm. lifting me up and allowing me to be my whole self mm. Very verbose answer. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's absolutely perfect. Um, and I love the the holistic um, perspective that you have on it because it is a combination of things, right? It is about who's around you. It is about what's within you and about what fruits you're able to produce with all of those ingredients. Um, and, you know, tick is a very interesting space because it, it can be very easy to just see it as a kind of a, a, a from a product perspective and not see it from the value and the impact that it has on people's lives on a day-to-day -day basis. What are some of the ways in which tech is changing lives in a practical way? I mean, I have worked in a banking environment. I've been in financial services. I understand just how much financial services and access and education plays a huge role in people's daily lives. What are some of the things that are happening within the tech space or that you would like to see happen in the tech space that would really be impactful? So the, the one thing, because you mentioned education, I think the one thing that was amplified during COVID was the huge divide um, in our country. I th we're you know, one of the most unequal societies in the world. And when, we when lockdown hit and everything was closed down, the fact that, um, let's call it kids in your Model C schools or private schools mm -hmm. could continue learning because tools are made available for them to learn. And then um, kids in disadvantaged communities did not have that luxury, did not have that privilege. Teachers didn't have access to be able to teach. Mm -hmm. Was like um, a painful contrast in the country that we live in. Um, granted, you can talk about it from a place of, of privilege because Grant, I was frustrated having to teach because, my goodness, <laughs> and then having to work as well. Yeah. And then, you know, you, you talk about uh, concepts like the triple shift, you know, which was what women were contending with. But that's that's the shift of, 
you know you're a you're a homemaker you're a you're a you know you're a mother you're teaching at home you also are working the fact of working in and of itself is a privilege because not everyone was suffering from the triple shift because not everyone had you know the luxury of 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 being able to provide economically for their families but what troubled me the most was you know high cost of data that actually exists which was great because then um data was zero rated for universities for students to actually be able to to study but things like that actually show you how big our problems are and how they can't just be solved by government entities by themselves and all of us need to participate um and there are really really cool initiatives that are actually being rolled out which i think a lot of us should be adopting more of one of those um there's i school africa which is part of like the core group there's this really really the educational trust has this really really cool concept where they take ipads and in this really cool like silver case it self charges so even if it's in rural communities it won't matter mm. it locks itself it charges itself because we have uh, power challenges in yes. our country but what this does right it's preloaded also with um english maths lessons as well as coding lessons for primary high school it doesn't matter like what grade it, it can actually be um you can upload it with whatever tools you'll need what is important about this is that you are now bringing technology to schools that previously would not have and the issue of electricity becomes a non-issue preloaded um applications onto those devices your network connectivity issues also becomes a non-issue and we should all be thinking outside the box with regards to how do we then make um technology accessible because in the world that we live in when kids move from home and they move into universities a lot of things have gone online if i've never worked with a computer before or touched a device how am i going to like know how to do these things cuz one there's there's multiple barriers of entry that i think young people are facing and that they contend with it's the language barrier i think you know like in in a lot of instances if you don't speak in a particular way mm. it makes it difficult for you to actually navigate and move into spaces which you rightfully belong mm. into so we should all be very very intentional when it comes to one I'm giving access to technology to kids around us and I'm talking from corporate let me let me talk about it from a corporate perspective. So what am I doing as Nomonde to shrink the digital divide that actually exists between not just children but also communities, right? So elder people mm-hmm. would prefer to rather take out all of their money, mm-hmm. you know, the, all of their pension money at the end of the month and keep it on them because there is a trust deficit yeah. that actually exists with let, let's call it some generations and financial institutions mm. where they don't actually trust those systems what are we doing to actually educate people to actually show them that mm. it's actually safer to keep your money yeah it's it's also safer to actually use digital tools to actually transact i don't think we do enough to actually um go out of our way to one educate our parents and our elders and to one give accessibility to tools that can teach children how to learn mm. and not just necessarily be playing around with um with data. And I think uh, there was a study that was done I forgot which one it is exactly but maybe you'll know. Yeah, I love <laughs> academics also. Which actually spoke about when we have access to data, like the free data. Mm. What is the highest thing that people utilize data for? It's porn. Mm. You know, like so there's a problem. Yeah. Uh, and the problem can actually be solved by us. So in certain instances technology is not used always for good things, mm. but it, it can be used for amazing things if we just channel its usage its usage in the right way and educate people with regards to how it can actually help their mm. lives and improve their lives. 
You know, you raise such an important point with regards to educating people about how technology can help and enable their lives. And also bringing in the context of, of, of the study that you mentioned with, with porn being the thing that's watched the most speaks a lot to how do we really begin to address or tackle the issue of working to provide solutions that make life a little bit more easy, that help try to bridge the, the divide that exists in the context of a society that is fixated and more and more so on things that are not enabling, things that are actually quite divisive, things that can be very harmful for us. Because, I mean, yesterday I saw, I was on social media and somebody had posted a story about a new reality show that's starting. And I was just like, I can't with another reality show that is just about viciousness and anger and fighting and gripes and comparison. And this is the content that is thriving the most, you know? Um, and, and it's just like, it's, we have, we have these tools that yeah. we are trying to get out there more and more, but the way in which they're being used is actually quite scary and it can be disheartening. Yeah. So how do we, bridge that gap because yes we can there's certain things that you can do from a corporate perspective there's certain things that i can do as a facilitator speaker consultant but there's limitations where society is concerned right and and what society is actually embracing how do you think we can begin to tackle those yeah i I think it has a lot to do with us as a society Mm. and i think it's the erosion of our value sets Mm. and you know, like how a lot of people say South Africans use humor to mask pain. Mm. Um, and more often than not, to forget, you watch trash TV, mm. you put yourself in an out-of-body state in order not to deal with your current state of being. Mm. Um, and then I think there's, a, there's a, a lot of healing and work that all of us need to do as individuals and probably show up with more kindness also Mm. because you know social media not all social media i think social media is i'm bad at it i'll acknowledge but when i am on it um we thrive from viciousness Mm. you know like um and not lifting each other up Mm. you know it's like continuously waiting for someone to misstep or Mm. do something so you can gotcha i'm in (laughs) As opposed to rallying behind one another when someone makes a mistake, Mm -hmm. you know, to actually show our humanity Mm -hmm. and say, because we all mess up, we're human. Mm -hmm. All of us are fallible. You know, I'm yet to meet someone who's absolutely perfect, who has like zero flaws. Mm -hmm. And I think all of us, for the most part, the heart of life is good. You know, there's a song by John Legend which talks about that. Like, the heart of life is fundamentally good. No, No child is born with like a whole view that I want to mess up and make people's lives horrible. Mm. It's how we're socialized Mm. that actually then develops into who we become as human beings. Mm. And I I really fundamentally believe in the concept of kindness Mm. because you really don't know what Sile is going through. Mm. You hear you look absolutely gorgeous, right? Most soothing voice in the world. But there are a lot of struggles that you're probably contending with, which none of us know. Mm. But in spite of what you're navigating through, you still show up, you're here. You've got this incredible platform and podcast because you want to help amplify people's lives Mm. and make their lives better. Mm. 
And I, I'm of the view of, you know, when you give to someone and you help, you benefit more from what the other person actually gets mm. from you. And that that's what I think a lot of people don't get. Like, viciousness only poisons you, yeah. like, as you continue in that state of affairs. But once you actually try and amplify and try and show up from a point of, of kindness, of, like, you know what, tomorrow this could be me, so how do I help? How do I actually help this person who's going through X if you have tools to actually assist? And I'm not talking about, like, monetary mm. tools of always throwing money at issues. Sometimes someone just wants you to sit and listen, yeah. you know, to their story, to their journey of what they've actually walked and gone. You've, you've got no idea how that can save someone's life. Mm. Just you acknowledging or greeting someone. Mm. And I was, um, at, I've, I've started like a, a program at school and one of our lecturers was talking about how he moved from homelessness to where now, you know, like from being a homeless person to a CEO of an entity. And all it took was someone showing him kindness and asking him about his story. We don't pause to ask one another, how are you doing? And genuinely ask you how yeah. you're doing. Like we're so self-absorbed mm -hmm. in our own lives. And I know this answer is not like a ticky answer. But I, I think fundamentally when, fundamentally, when I sit and I meditate, it really comes down to we're not kind mm -hmm. people. And I think the world could use more kindness. Mm -hmm. And if we had more kindness and empathy towards one another, mm -hmm. a lot of the issues we're navigating through wouldn't be issues. Mm. You're absolutely right. I fully agree with you. And, you know, speaking about just the, the general state of society, um, these the society are the people that make up the workforce. You know, everybody Ooh, brings all of their baggage with oh, them. No. <laughs> <laughs> and it makes the workplace very fun. <laughs> so, yeah. So what are some of the, 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 the principles or the philosophies that you hold as a leader that help you navigate being in that position and dealing with people and personalities while still having a goal that is bigger than you that you actually yeah. need to achieve? Sure, certainly. Yeah, that's a hard question. It's always a hard question, right? Mm -hmm. Because people who've experienced you may have like a completely different <laughs> like, oh, she lying. <laughs> yeah, like, ah, oh, please. Look, I'm very hard on delivery. I've always been. Um, I'm hard on myself when it comes to, to delivery as well. Um, dare I say I'm one of the hardest working people I know personally, you know, I give everything that I have, like to, if I say yes to like an, an opportunity, like a work opportunity, um, it, it has to, generally, it's, it must be something meaty where I know I'm going to make a difference. Mm. So I, I don't know why I'm attracted to chaos, but it seems to be a thing. Um, cause I'm able to take chaotic things and make sense of them. Like in logical parts, I'm a Virgo. I don't know if that has anything to do with it. But then you, I, I can, I can make it into logical parts. And I think, and you know, yeah, I was reflecting over the past month because work has just been hectic. Because there are a lot of really cool things that we're trying to land, but it has meant that all of us, including my teams, are working crazy hours. And I feel really guilty about that, right? Because my preference would be for all of us to have like a work life. I can't say balance because is there really like such a thing? Mm -hmm. I you you must I, I believe in leaning to what needs you the most at any point yeah. in time. So at any point in time, I might be leaning into work because that's what needs me. But if my children need me, I'm going to like need to lean into into that. Mm -hmm. So it, it comes back to like work life integration. But when I feel like I'm 
taking that away from people. I wrestle within myself because I I really do believe in the importance of people spending time with people that matter to them mm-hmm. because fundamentally, like these buildings that are around us, our one certainty, and sorry to be morbid, is we're going to die, mm-hmm. right? And when you're in hospital, the building's not going to come and see you. Mm-hmm. It's your, your ecosystem that's going to show up for you to actually check in on you to see how are you, are you well. And I've always um, struggled with the balance of like pushing too hard and how mm-hmm. do you then circle back and how do you then provide a buffer and cover. Mm-hmm. So I, I push hard for res- results, but I will equally go hard for my people. Like mm-hmm. when I can see that, yeah, no, but we're pushing it here. Mm-hmm. And so, like, the mama bear will actually, like, come in. But I've, I've learned also to be okay with vulnerability, you know, and to lead into also from work. And I was saying this to my boss the other day because, well, listen, she's running five businesses, <laughs> like, within financial service. I have one. And I'm like, I really don't know how you do it because, goodness, like, you take, you know, crap from me and your ex mm-hmm. and you have another ex that you need to contend with. But I was really having a difficult time with... um. And I'll share the story. Like, I, I worked uh, I, through my maternity leave, not on purpose. I was on maternity leave. But um, our business was in a state where it needed all of us to, to rally in. And I'm nothing but a team player when we need to show up. And the thing with these roles that we don't talk about when you actually get to executive roles, it's not signing roses. Like, you, you've signed up for this thing, mm-hmm. which means that, you know, you have a fiduciary responsibility to the business that you're working for. And when, the, when, when you are needed, we were all needed to rally as a team. It doesn't matter that, you know, Langa was born, like, two seconds ago. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a bigger purpose because you need to make sure that the business succeeds because there's a whole ecosystem of people you're employing, mm-hmm. like, in that space. So we all have to win because South Africa cannot, teams South Africa can't afford to actually stretch the issue of unemployment because you didn't play your part in terms of what you need to do. So it, it's been a struggle specifically of late, Cicla, of, like, how do I help my people balance because you can only push people so much until we all break because we are exhausted. We're all human beings. And it's, it's this contention of trying to make sure you find balance and trying to create um, great, like a high-performance culture. But also one, and this is what, what I love about the organization I work with, is these are problems that plague all of us because we want to make people's lives better. You want to create an ecosystem and a space where people enjoy coming to work. Mm-hmm. And you, you understand what the purpose is, right? Mm-hmm. We're all clear on the strategy. We all know what our equal contribution is to actually get to utopia. Mm-hmm. And we may not be there yet, but as we work towards utopia, it's to pause, reflect, and say, okay, we can't be pushing this hard. Like, what do we pause in order to make sure that all of us can breathe mm-hmm. and our people can equally breathe? That is, is still, like, um, a big challenge, like, for me. And also the, the struggle of, um, I've said that to show up as my equal self, but you depending on what situation you're in, there's a different version of you that's going to show up. Sometimes it's a really hardcore version because you need to deliver. And when you enter an ecosystem that you don't know. So the hardest thing that I've found is entering a new job as an executive. You didn't grow up in that mm. ecosystem. It's new to you. Like nobody knows you from a mm. bar of soap. Just your CV, right? Mm-hmm. And your boss may know more about you because of the 
hectic interview process that you will <laughs> yeah. go through for that job. But the team you're inheriting doesn't know you. Mm-hmm. Chances are there's somebody else that they probably wanted to actually take that job. So mm-hmm. you're entering into an ecosystem that's not necessarily hostile, but they don't know you, they don't really care for you, but there are results that you need to deliver in a very short period of time. And like I said, I like chaos. So <laughs> it, it, it would be like a very chaotic period. And you have to then, what I've learned, which is equally hard, is... Look, you, I'm not money. I'm not ice cream. And specifically in leadership roles, you, you can't have an expectation that everyone will like you. Because mm-hmm. if you come in with that approach, you won't be able to deliver what you need to deliver. And it's the fostering relationships as you go, which was strange to me for the longest time because I'm a relationship person. Mm-hmm. Like I want to get to know you. I want to build relationships with my team and, and, and. But I've learned that when um, you're, you're, com- you're coming to solve a problem, you don't have the luxury of time to mm. nurture. And I've always had this thing, like, oh, I want my team to come to my house. Like, I want to cook for everybody. <laughs> we can break bread, have a meal. Mm. And I've learned that there's different seasons, mm. right? And the season I'm in and the season has been hard because um, I, I feel like the side of me that has had to come out is that we need to execute, we need to deliver, we need to deliver, we need to deliver. And I haven't really been able to show the other, like, soft side that I have because this season hasn't allowed me to to do that. And leadership is hard mm-hmm. because you have to be in the season that you need to be in. Mm-hmm. But I'm really, really, really looking forward to summer, my summer season, yeah. where another you know aspect of me can actually um, come out. And that's been... Of this journey, as I reflect now, it's weird, I was reflecting on this yesterday. I didn't think we'd be talking about this, but here we are. <laughs> you know, it's really about... Um, this has been hard. Mm-hmm. Like, just being hard every day in order to get things over the line hasn't been easy mm-hmm. but had, had if i wasn't in an ecosystem that is supportive where we can laugh cry together it would be harder i think if i wasn't working for the person that i'm working for right now in the season it would be hard mm-hmm. and i'm grateful for her so shout out to you hannah <laughs> mamolo sadiki and balesa it's mm-hmm. important to have friends at work also yeah Cynthia. yeah it helps um in these moments so mm-hmm. Yeah, sorry guys, I had a really deep reflective moment because <laughs> Cicla's voice, uh, like, <laughs> can't blame me. I love <laughs> that we are the ones that are benefiting from this this unraveling. I mean, right, I'm not like, goodness. <laughs> I love it. And actually, you know, it's interesting because there's a sermon that I was listening to this morning because I, I probably listened to about three sermons a day um, throughout the course of the day um, because that's just where I get my... You know, I get my it. oomph from. No, I get and it. And the one that I was listening to this morning as I was getting ready was speaking about the womb. And and she she went into speaking using the analogy of, of giving birth and how so often we go into the work that we do, the things that we must achieve, our purpose and whatnot. And the going gets tough and you go, oh, guess that's not for me, you know, Um but if you think about it in the context of a woman who's in labor, you have those moments where you are having the contractions and you feel like this is the end of me. <laughs> I cannot anymore. I'm just about done, you know. But in between those contractions, there's rest. Yeah. You catch your breath. Your body builds up that energy that it needs for the next round of pushing that needs to happen. And that's literally how life works. Yeah. And that we need to be able to recognize those moments where we need to be pushing and we are in that discomfort and there is maybe that pain, but also recognize the rest and the replenishing that needs to happen. Sure. I need that sermon. 
and it's, I'll send it to you. Like it's literally, I was just like, oh, wow, yeah. what a revelation. Yeah, you know? man, it's sure. Yeah, that that's powerful. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think um, the blessing of introspection, like as you like get older, and I I believe in spending time with myself mm-hmm. and meditating, um, and getting to know me. Mm-hmm. So I know my flaws. And I know um, the other beautiful aspect about what makes me no monde, you know, that I love fully and wholly. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you, you're right. You, I have to sit in the uncomfortable moments mm-hmm. as well in order to understand how do I navigate through those uncomfortable mm-hmm. moments um, and also appreciate that feedback that comes through, mm-hmm. whether directly or indirectly, of how to be better mm-hmm. as, as a leader, as a person in general. And where I have messed up, like how to pause and reflect and actually switch back if if it's coming on too strong or if I'm not actually doing enough. But the biggest thing for me has must have been affording myself grace at all times. So the same grace I'll extend to people around me is now the same grace I extend to myself. I love that. I love that. So up front, Nomode did give us a disclaimer that she's not particularly good at the social <laughs> media thing. Okay, I'm going to try to do better <laughs> this year. I'll try. <laughs> so just to wrap us up, what is one book or a movie or even a song that for you is just like, if there's one thing that I would recommend, recommend people read or watch or listen to, this is it. Sure. Uh, one. <laughs> Two. <laughs> no. So I read Who Moved My Cheese mm. every year just to remind myself that complacency does not yield to anything mm. um, and that cheese will move. And I don't mean cheese like dough, like money, not like that. That life evolves. Yeah. Um, and if you keep going to the same spot, one day that, you know, heap of cheese shrinks. Mm. And because you haven't taught yourself how to be nimble and to move and how to be resilient, that will hurt you mm. because that's the only thing you know. So being open to new experiences, new processes, challenging yourself, that is like a reminder for me every day. The other book that I recommend, like from a career perspective, I, I read this book, It Changed My Life, many years ago. Um this is something about the corner office. Goodness, can I send it to you? I will send. I will send it to you. Uh, nice girls don't get the corner office. Yes, that book like was an aha moment for me. Mm. So if you feel like you're complacent in your career, please read that book. It gave me a lot of like insights mm. many many years ago about shifts that I actually needed to fundamentally make. My music taste is very really eclectic, mm. to be honest. I'll move from Maverick City. I love gospel music, South African go- joyous celebration and gospel, and then Jay-Z, <laughs> yeah. you know? And then, what is this? So it's a very old Jay-Z song. And the one line that has stood the test time for me, because I always remind myself of that, in seasons when it was rough, you know when you, because, you know, the budget is tight. Yeah. And there's a line in one of his songs where he's like, being broke is childish. Mm. And I ain't no... <laughs> like I'm grown, you know, yeah. and that um, for me, when it was really tough, like in those seasons, it's like you know what, you know, push through. This is not the end mm-hmm. of anything. Like God's purpose is far bigger than what you will ever know. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna grind. Yeah. We're gonna get up. It's hard. 
and affording myself a moment to cry because all of us are allowed to break down afterwards wipe those tears mm. keep it moving mm. keep it moving I love that. And what a perfect note to end today's conversation. Mumonde, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you, for everything honey. that you've shared. I feel refreshed and replenished. Oh, man. This um, is so fun. And, and I hope that you have enjoyed this episode of the Workplace Revolution. And I look forward to seeing you again next time.